Today on Let the Bible Speak. There is one sin in particular that disgusts and nauseates Christ. You might be surprised what it is and who is committing Welcome to the program. It's so good to be with you today. I hope you've had a good week, and it's good to start a new week with you and to have some time together to hear what God has to say to us through His Holy Word. It goes without saying, any sin is offensive to God. But what sin would you say God finds especially repugnant? If I were to tell you that there is a sin that makes the Lord Jesus Christ nauseated, what do you think that sin is? Who is committing that sin? Where is that sin committed? Would you think it is being committed in some back alley somewhere, or in some darkened tavern, or in some house of ill repute? Well, those are terrible sins that take place in those places, no doubt. But today we're going to talk about a sin that hits much closer to home for most people that I assume are watching this program. We're going to look at one of the most timely warnings for us that can be found in the New Testament. It was spoken by the Lord to one of the churches of Asia Minor 2,000 years ago. Jesus tells the Apostle John to relay this message in Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot, so then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. This letter that Jesus wrote was not to a group of people who used to meet as a church. It was written to a church that was continuing to meet. It was written to a church that felt like they were all right. Well, it's very easy to see the parallels between that ancient congregation and churches that we see today, especially in America. If Jesus wrote a letter to the church where you're a member of or I'm a member of, would he issue a similar rebuke? That's really a question we should take very seriously and apply to our own life and to our own congregation. If Jesus were to write a letter to you or me, would it contain such a warning? Today in our study together, we're going to look at the many manifestations of this terrible sin that Jesus names among the saints. And it is a sickening sin. That's going to be our title of our lesson today, and I'll be back with that after a song.
Christ's words to the ancient church in Laodicea are quite jarring. It should get anybody's attention when Jesus says that something about us makes him want to spew us out of his mouth. But his words are unvarnished. Their sin made him repulsed and disgusted. Now, most of us can easily understand the metaphor that Jesus uses, and we share the sentiment when it comes to the foods we eat and the things we drink. If you like coffee, you probably like it reasonably hot, or perhaps you like the new frozen varieties that have become popular, but I don't know many people who like coffee that is in between. But it's more than just a matter of liking it. There's a reflex that many people, when they put it in their mouth, they immediately spit it out. It's nauseating. We don't want our food and our drink that's supposed to be cold or hot to be tepid. Anything is better than it being tepid. Jesus says this was the spiritual condition, though, of the church at Laodicea. Uh, he's not writing about sinners out here in the gutter somewhere. He's talking about sinful saints in the church. He said in Revelation chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. Now that was their sin. We don't read about them off in some awful doctrinal apostasy or error. We don't read about some overt a sin of immorality that had crept into the church. He simply says, you are neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, he's not saying it's a good thing to be cold, but he's saying that it's a terrible thing to claim to be serving the Lord, but really you're just lukewarm. This is a church that had not ceased to meet, in fact, in their own estimation, they probably thought they were a thriving and prosperous church. But the fact of the matter is, they were but going through the motions. And their faith was lukewarm. They were content to remain where they were. You know, faith is a serious matter. Uh, the church is a serious matter. The Christian life is serious business. In fact, there's nothing more serious. But a lot of people treat the church and its work today like a club or a society out here in the community somewhere. But in the eyes of God, it's to be everything to its adherents. Christ is to be our all. His word is to be our meditation day and night. His kingdom is to be the thing that we seek first within our heart and within our life. You know, God certainly gave his very best and his all to bring the church into existence. Paul said in Titus 2 and verse 14 that Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. It was no light and flippant thing for God to invest all that he had in the salvation of the human family. He delivered his only begotten son into the hands of cruel and wicked men to be put to death so that we might be saved and have the privilege of being citizens of his kingdom and serving him in his courts. Jesus Christ emptied himself of all of heaven's glories and comforts and pleasures, according to Paul in Philippians, the second chapter, to come to this sin-cursed world to robe himself in human flesh in the form of a servant or a slave at that, and to die the awful and ignominious death that he died. Friend, the church is not only the result of great sacrifice on God's part, it's the result of great planning and design on his part. God was in no way indifferent or lukewarm when it came to mankind, when it came to you or to me, nor is He today, despite the fact that men are so lukewarm and apathetic toward Him. Well, in view of all that God has invested in the church, in view of all that He's invested in our souls, 
It's no wonder that Jesus told the church at Laodicea that their lukewarm state of mind, their lazy, smug, carefree attitude and state of heart toward such urgent spiritual matters repulsed him. They were like the ancient Israelites in Amos chapter 6 and verse 1, to whom Amos said, Woe unto them who are at ease in Zion. And the Lord certainly reacts that way to a lukewarm religion still yet. Lukewarmness characterizes Christianity, particularly in America, in the 21st century. We're rich. We're fat. We enjoy our pleasure. Uh, we are chasing the American dream. We are used to uh, uh, having what we want in the way that we want it and choosing the things we want and getting them when we want them. And somehow we think that translates to Christianity. And we, we have become very, very at ease in Zion. I want to mention several areas in which we are very indifferent in the church and in religion today. And I think that if you'll think seriously about this, you'll come to agree with me that we are increasingly indifferent toward things that God in no wise is indifferent about. And perhaps it could be said of us, like Laodicea of old, we're neither hot nor cold, we're lukewarm. You know, first of all, many are indifferent when it comes to sin. Now, most of us know that sin is not a good thing. But the fact is, we're a lot more indifferent about it than God is. We don't take it as seriously as God does. There are a lot of churches that are indifferent towards sin today, and I know that because they say so very little about it. Oh, now some preach against sin and do so consistently. But I think if you look across the landscape of so-called Christendom in America today, you'll find that a lot of churches really say very, very little about sin. You would have a hard time saying they're alarmed about the sins that characterize our modern society or the sin that sometimes sits in their pews by what you hear preached from the pulpit, much less what they do about sin. However, sin is a serious thing in the eyes of God. Ezekiel chapter 16, the prophet was denouncing the sins of Jerusalem. Uh, they had committed several abominations. And by the way, that word abomination means something detestable. It's something God hates, including the sin of fornication. Uh, their degeneracy is spelled out in disgusting terms, and to top it all off, God said in verse 20, they were not only practicing idolatry, they were worshiping the pagan god Molech by sacrificing their own children to that false god. Listen to him. He says, Moreover thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters whom thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. Then listen to him. He says, Is this of thy whoredoms a small matter? You see what he's really saying? Has sin become so light of a thing to you that you can bring yourself to this point of degeneracy and think nothing of it? But that's what's happening in regard to sin today. Even among many who profess to follow Christ, there's very little that shocks us anymore. We've become accustomed to sin. We've gotten used to the dark. Just about any type of behavior is now tolerated or even justified and worst of all applauded and celebrated. Anything nearly goes today. Sin has become respectable. We've brought it out of the bars and houses of ill repute. We've piped it into our living rooms. And today you can turn on your television any time of day, and in seconds you can find a program that glamorizes filthy language, immoral conduct, drinking, drug use, fornication, adultery, and nearly every other form of sexual deviancy. On and on the list goes. But I want you to listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 3. And I want you to think how this would set if Paul stood at the pulpits of many churches today and, and spoke and preached these very words. He says, But fornication 
sexual immorality, or all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Now Paul says sin is a serious matter. Paul took sin much more seriously than what many a preacher and many a church leader and many a so-called Christian does today. So much so, he says, a person can't be saved and continue living in sin, refuse to repent of his sin. We need to be reminding people of that today. Sin is serious, and they need to know that by how we preach about sin, how we talk about sin, how we treat sin. You know, the Apostle Paul was very alarmed when he heard that the church at Corinth was harboring an incestuous fornicator. He was concerned about the man. This man was involved in an immoral relationship with his stepmother. But that wasn't the only problem. Paul was just as upset with the church because they were simply looking the other way while this man continued in his sin. In 1 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 1, he said, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up. And have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. You see, what Paul is saying is they should have been filled with righteous indignation and loving concern for this man's soul over the fact that this was going on, but instead they weren't bothered by it. They were looking the other way. They were glorying in themselves as a church. And Paul says instead they ought to have been ashamed and saddened by what this man was doing. And he wrote in verses 4 through 6, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one. He says we do this by the authority of Jesus Christ himself. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That means turn him back to the world. Remove him from your fellowship until he repents. And there's a purpose for it. He says that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. In other words, sin is like a cancer, and you better get the cancer, or the cancer will get you. But we don't look at sin in the church that way today. Instead, we look for ways to justify and tolerate it. We're indifferent towards sin, but God is not. And the Bible teaches that God's going to judge sin one of these days, and those who refuse to repent of it are going to be lost. Now, that's not something to be indifferent about. That's not something to be unconcerned about. We need to be serious about sin and look at sin like God looks at sin. Second of all, you know, many are lukewarm when it comes to what the Bible says. We pay lip service to the Bible as being the Word of God, but frankly, if the Bible gets in the way of what we want to do, we find ways around it. There are many in religion today that claim to believe the Bible and preach the Bible, but their actual preaching and their practice tell a different story. Long ago, the question asked of the prophet Jeremiah by King Zedekiah was, Is there any word from the Lord? Now, friend, that's a great question. And that's a question we should regularly ask every time we open up the Bible and we're confronted with a decision, a doctrinal decision, a moral decision, a spiritual decision. Is there any word from the Lord? 
How can I be saved? Well, is there any word from the Lord? What does the Bible say? What church should I be a member of? Is there any word from the Lord? Let's open the Bible and see what the Bible says about the church. How should we worship? Is there any word from the Lord? Let's open the Bible and see how we should worship. Let's follow the examples we read in the New Testament in worship. How should we live? Should we go by what the culture says and what everybody else is doing? Or should we say, is there a word from the Lord? And open up the Bible and see what it says. But you see, a lot of people aren't looking for a word from the Lord today. They're looking to explain away what He's already said. They're looking to get around what the Lord has said in His Word. Instead of eagerly asking, is there any word from the Lord? You know what we've replaced that question with? We shrug and say, what difference does it make? The Bible makes very little difference to the masses today, and it makes very little difference to an increasing number of people in the so-called church today. Because if something's popular, or if avoiding the difficult truths of the Bible will make for peace and draw a large crowd on Sunday, then that's what it's all about. But the Lord's Word is not something to be ignored, cast aside, or indifferent about. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 126, It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. God would vindicate His Word by pouring out His judgment on those who disobeyed His Word. Do you know there's a day like that coming for the world that has relegated the Bible to an ineffectually relevant antiquity? According to John 12 and verse 48, God is going to judge us, and He's going to do so by the measuring stick of His Word. And that means we dare not shrug and act as though it doesn't matter what the Bible says. It makes an eternal difference what the Bible says. Are you indifferent toward, toward the teaching of the Bible? You know, the Bible says that baptism is necessary to be saved. Read it in Mark 16, verse 16. Read 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. But you'll find a slew of preachers that will do their very best to explain those passages away and tell you they don't mean what they say. Does that concern you? Do you try to convince yourself and others that, you know, the Lord didn't really mean that and a person can be saved whether he's ever baptized or not? Paul said in Ephesians 4 and verse 4 that there is one body. But do you contend that, well, one church is as right as another? One way will do just like another way. A person can be saved in any church, not just the one the Lord established. Jesus said those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. John 4 verse 24. Do you believe that any kind of worship is acceptable to God as long as it's heartfelt, as long as you mean well? Well, if so, you're at odds with God's Word, my friend. And those are just a few examples of the gross indifference to the teaching of the Bible that we see today. But again, the Bible is going to be the rule of judgment when we stand before the Lord, and we cannot afford to be indifferent about it. Number three, it is very easy to see that the modern church is lukewarm in its service and devotion to Christ. Empty seats in places of worship across the land testify to that sad reality. Nearly every church leader that I know laments the lack of zeal and fervor in his congregation today. The Romans were told in Romans 12 and verse 1, though, to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Put your whole being on the altar of God's service. But we're a generation of casual Christians. Now that's an oxymoron. You might as well talk about a heavenly devil as to talk about a casual Christian. But that's the attitude exhibited by many professing Christians nonetheless. A long time ago the prophet Jeremiah said, His word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. The Lord's word was consuming to Jeremiah. It convicted him until he couldn't be silent about it. 
wasn't just a sermon on Sunday. He could not lay it aside and forget about it. He couldn't push it to the back of his mind. Is the Word of God like a fire in your bones if you regularly or irregularly, or I say rarely, or irregularly go to worship God with the rest of the church? Can you really say the Word of God is a fire in your bones if you make every excuse for why you can't go to worship or why you can't put the Lord and His kingdom first in your life? Is your heart really aflame for God if you have little interest in going to hear the Word of God preached? And if you don't yearn to learn more about Him and His will? You get a lot more excited about your college football team and their standing and where they're going to play next than you do the next gospel meeting or revival where the Word of God is going to be declared. You see, with Christ, it's all or nothing. He told the Laodiceans that it would be better for them to be completely cold and uninvolved than to be lukewarm. The church at Laodicea had relatively easy lives, and they thought they could place God into a small little niche in their lives. But Jesus said, that won't do. A terrible campaign of persecution was to sweep over the seven churches of Asia, and Christ says their brand of religion would not survive the storm. And let me tell you something, my friend, the modern brand of American religion isn't going to survive either. And many of us may be in for a great shock when the days become dark and difficult for the church like they have been in other periods of history. And the easy street, secularized, watered-down version of Christianity that so many have bought into and think will satisfy God and salve their conscience will never stand the test if times of true persecution return. Those kinds of times in the first century church divided between the wheat and the tares and the sheep and the goats. And they will in our day as well. And those who are not fully committed to Christ will not stand the test of Christ's judgment at the end of time. Friends, sell out to Christ. Make Jesus Christ and His kingdom your all in all. And the first thing that you seek in life and let everything else fall wherever it needs to fall after your quest for righteousness and the kingdom of heaven. If we can help you today to begin serving the Lord by obeying the gospel, we want to do that. And I hope you won't be indifferent about your soul. Christ wasn't. He died for your soul. And I hope that you eagerly today will receive His word by faith and obey it in baptism for the remission of your sins. Deep within my heart today, Jesus lives and He will stay. For I heard His blessed word and gladly obey, I have obeyed. That is why I know He lives in my heart and gladness gives. For He changed me and a brand new life He
Connect with us on social media. Go to Facebook.com and search for Let the Bible Speak TV. The message of Jesus to the Laodiceans issues a challenge to us today. And that challenge is this. Get all in or get all out. The Lord desires a heart that is aflame for His Word, for His cause. We're not talking about a person who's in the process of growing spiritually. We're not talking about faith that grows weak and a person who's trying to grow stronger in their faith and in serving the Lord. We're talking about a person who is content and indifferent to live a life of nominal Christianity. The Lord will not accept it. And I want to challenge you today to renew your relationship to God if you've ever had such a relationship and to get serious about serving the Lord. If you'd like to commit yourself and surrender all to the Savior today in gospel obedience, why don't you get a new start in life today? Hand the reins over to Jesus Christ and allow Him to rule your life as King and as Lord. Obey the gospel by placing your faith in Him. Repent of your sins. Confess His name and be baptized today in water for the remission of your sins and begin a new life in Him. If you'd like a copy of our lesson today, we'll be happy to send it to you. The title is A Sickening Sin, and we'll get that printed transcript to you as soon as we can. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us online at ltbstv.org. And also don't forget our YouTube channel and our Facebook page and our podcast. Just search for Let the Bible Speak TV on those various platforms and connect with us there. Please make your plans to join us if the Lord is willing to be back here next time to study the Word of God again and tell someone else about it in the meantime. Until then, I hope you have a great week ahead and I'll plan to meet you next time. God bless. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.